Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. I ain't got much time, but I got a word. Y'all ready to hear it? If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And you can also... Uh, Put your finger on Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. They're the verses that this series has been written on, um, Among the Wolves. Shout out to my beautiful wife. God, girl, you're so adorable. You're amazing. You're a little green jacket, looking like my little lucky charm. Just put you in my pocket, girl. So magically delicious you are. That's awkward. I couldn't help it. I'm sure I'll pay for that later. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, reads something like this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. Verse 3, Go! I am sending you like lambs amongst wolves, like sheep among wolves. And that's what this this series that we've been in uh, for the last six weeks has been all about. My goodness, it's been so amazing to be a part of it. And um, Jesus, he told us and he told his disciples before he left the earth to go and make disciples baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our mission as Christ's followers is to make disciples. Nat, how you doing? You and your family look so good. I love it. I just saw them on Instagram the other day, and I said, man, that's one good-looking family. I'm sorry. It's it's like, you know, everybody's still getting back into that, into, like, being out again, you know? So, like, They've been around. I'm just saying, this is some people I just haven't caught in person, so I'm sorry. I just got distracted. That happens to me sometimes. Um, <laughs> we're called to be disciples, and we're called to make disciples. And when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, he's trying to let you know, don't go nowhere yet. Keep playing, because it makes me sound more spiritual. <laughs> says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, because he wants us to know he's not complaining that there's not enough workers. I think he's trying to indicate to something indicate something to us that the workers that he has are special we're distinguished we're a chosen few we're a we're a royal holy priesthood amen but he says i'm gonna send you out like sheep amongst wolves i love jesus because he's honest about what we're getting into trying to let you know this thing won't be easy but if you go out like sheep amongst wolves the wolves better be scared because you got a shepherd watching your back so this is a series about discipleship So we started looking at all the things that Jesus said to help us understand characteristics of discipleship. Shout out to our discipleship class. It's almost over. We got uh, one more week, two more weeks, two more weeks, and then they graduate from discipleship class. And listen, oh, I'm excited. We're going to bring them up on this stage. It's going to be like a high school graduation. like, who walks like that? No one. But we're going to shout them out because we're proud that they've stayed the course. That's the thing about disciples. 
Jesus always said it. He said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Everybody can't be a disciple because some people won't push through to get to the end of the journey. I think a lot of people want to, but a desire without action is only a desire. You got to implement some action to it. So shout out to folks in discipleship class. Let's finish and finish strong. Amen. If you didn't do discipleship class next season, um, that's in the summertime, correct, Yari? In May, we're going to start it again. Jump on. I encourage everybody to do it. If you've been a part of discipleship class that's been blessing your life, why don't you make some noise and wave your hand so they see I'm not making it up. Okay, just saying. So we've been looking at different passages of Jesus um, from his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is what really entails that sermon. And we said, man, if we want to understand what it is to be a disciple, to be a sheep amongst the wolves, let's follow the words of Jesus. I don't need you to take the doctrine of Terrence. It won't help you, but the doctrine of Jesus will. Amen? So I want you to lean into what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33. And you've heard me quote this verse often, but I haven't really preached uh, specifically on this verse until today. And the verse is this. I love this. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you. That's a good place to say amen. So I'm going to read it again like I'm reading it for the first time because I expect everybody to say amen. Amen? Yeah. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be given to you as well. Whew, I can tell y'all love the Bible. Praise God. Today... If you're taking notes on this six discipleship principle, we're talking about being committed to a kingdom agenda. A ki come on, Hanai, come on. Give me a heart attack up here, girl. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad. And God, I thank you for each and every person that's here today. You knew before I did. Uh, you knew before the earth began to spin on its axis who was going to be here, God. And I pray that I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace, God. I pray that hearts, minds, and ears are open to hear a message that's always just going to be about Jesus. Because he's more than enough. He's the best gift you ever gave us. So, God, I pray that somebody will open their heart today to receive him. I'm just worried about the one. There may be many, but I'm concerned about the one that needs to hear this word the most. God, I pray that this word will touch their heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everyone said, why don't you take about five seconds to give Jesus Christ a shout of praise? it up for the band one time. My goodness. Y'all something else. Oh, snap. I like that. Look. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been used? You ever felt like used? Oh, man. I felt used before. Can I, can I process with y'all? I, I like preaching is my therapy. 
You guys are my counselors. So I admit things to you. Um, long before I met the finest woman on the planet, long before, because <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. She's like, where is he going? I, I ain't telling her what I was preaching. Long before I met the finest woman on the planet, I was a young lad in high school. I was trying to make my way in this world. And man, I, I was, I, I, I still am. People don't believe me when I say this. I'm a very shy individual. People don't believe me when I say that because they see me running and shouting act the fool on, on stage. But I'm an introvert by nature. So growing up, I had a hard time communicating with the opposite set. I had a hard time. Like I saw all my homies in high school and they had girlfriends and stuff. And like, I, I like girls, I wanted to talk to them, but I never knew what to say. Cause I was shy. Man, it's like real tight in this room right now. <laughs> like y'all making me feel the pressure. So, in ninth grade, there was a young lady that, um, I mean, she was all right. But she wasn't all that, because, I mean, I got all that right now. <laughs> I didn't know telling the story was going to be so hard. She's like, be careful, or you will be on the couch. There was a, there was a young lady that, that started to give me what I, I was saying. She started to give me some rhythm. She started to pay me some attention. So I, you know, I, I started feeling myself because when, when I would see this, this young lady in science class or different classes that we had, um, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an artist, okay? I know how to draw. It's been something that's a guy giving it that he gave me when I was a kid and I've been drawing ever since. And I was always like drawing on the size of my work. I was smart. I finished my work, but then I like draw stuff on like the size of my work or my notebooks or whatever. This young lady used to sit next to me. She used to see the things that I would draw. And she started paying particular interest in me because of the things that I was drawing. And I, I, I because like I, 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 like, I like people, but the people I like didn't like me, but this young lady seemed like she liked me, so I liked her because she liked me. How many of you like people that like you? It's tough. So I used to draw like these little drawings every day. I used to be in like the, the anime and all this. I used to draw these drawings. And she went, oh my God, that's so, that's so cute. Can I have it? So like this became like a thing. I was drawing things and giving it to her and I was getting all this attention from her and her friends because I was drawing her things. And one day, I mean, I, 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 was, I came into class, and I, you know, I, I, I was happy about the attention I was getting and all this stuff. And one day, man, like, she was like, oh, Terrence, can you draw me this? It started to, like, become a thing. And I was like, I was like, I didn't really feel like drawing that day. I was like, nah, girl, I don't really feel like. She's like, please, for me. I was like, ah, girl, nah, I just don't, I'm not feeling it. Like, I just don't feel like it. She's like, okay. Next day I came to class, she ain't say nothing to me. I was like, hey, I'm drawing. She was like, so? <laughs> Next day again, finally she, she, stopped, she stopped talking to me. And in that, that moment, I, I felt like one of the victims of the Tinder swindler. Like, I, I, I'm like, yo, this girl 
stopped talking to me because I stopped giving her the one thing that she wanted from me. I realized she didn't like me. She only liked what I could do for her. I felt so, so used. Took me a while. I know it's silly, but it took me a while to like somebody else because I put a guard up because I started to realize that some people don't like you for who you are. They only like you for what you do. I ain't gonna lie, my feelings was hurt as a young man. And it taught me a valuable lesson. It taught me such a valuable lesson. Anybody that knows me, I've probably said this to you before, especially if you are working in a servant leader capacity at this church. I've said this to you, and people know what I'm about to say before I even say it. I always tell people, I love you for who you are, not because of what you do. No, Because the moment you stop doing it for me, it doesn't change how much I actually love you. If we're family, who you are is more important than what you do. Like, it's given me a tendency in my life, like, I have a tendency to give more than I ask for. Like, I honestly, I have a hard time asking people for stuff because it bothers me. Like, I never want somebody to feel like I'm using them because I know what it feels like to be used. People come in churches and get used all the time. It's happened so many times because uh, what, what, what people are asked. Or, uh, people are asking them to do things, but they're not asking out of the right heart. They're asking for personal gain. They're not asking for kingdom expansion. I don't ever want anybody around me or connected to me to feel like I'm using them. Say, so what's that to do with Matthew 6.33? I got to tell you, none of us can outgive God. None of us. My wife already doesn't matter how hard you try. There's nothing you can do to bless God more than he already is. He is blessing. How do you bless blessing? Like you can't outgive God. And here's the thing. God knows that we want stuff from him and he knows that we need stuff from him. He just wants to know that you want him more than the things you want from him. So we get to Matthew 6.33 that says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You have to understand, Matthew 6.33 is a kingdom response that Christ gives his disciples. Why? Because he knows humans have a tendency to worry about things they think they want or need. So he gives them this response because he wants to make, he wants to make, make, make sure that we're aware with all of our wants and needs, what's more important than the things that we want or need is who we want or need. He's trying to remind us. You say, you got to put this verse in context. You can't just say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. No, 
You have to see what comes before it in Matthew 6, 31 through 32. So don't worry. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things that sound familiar, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Jesus knows the only reason that we worry is because we're more concerned with what we are believing for than who we are believing in. Are you more concerned with what you're believing for than who you are believing in? Because this verse comes to set your priorities straight. I preached an entire message on that that I'm not going to go back to. Go back to the messages in January. I promise you, it's really awesome. It's called Get Your Priorities Straight. But I want to move forward because I think sometimes we only use this verse to talk about priorities when it's about so much more than that. So many people live a life of worry because they're concerned about things and not about God. They're concerned about what they want and they're not concerned about what God wants. A life of worry begins to shift to a life of worship when you are fully committed to a kingdom agenda. I'll say that again because that'll, that'll change the way you think about something. A life of worry will shift to a life of worship. Thank God for Judith for displaying that for us today because she got everything in the world to be worried about, yet she finds a way to worship through her worry. Why? Because she doesn't have a Judith agenda. She has a kingdom agenda. Two things you need to know will be done. The first is, you don't worry when you have a kingdom agenda because you know it's not your kingdom. I'm going to sip some water on that one. You don't worry when you have a kingdom agenda because you know it's not your kingdom. You see, Matthew 6.33, I'll read again, but seek ye first, or seek first, I'll read out of NIV, but seek first his kingdom, underline his, and his righteousness, underline his again, and all these things will be added unto you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Stop. This verse is not just about the order of what you want. Priority is important, but this verse is also about understanding your position in his kingdom. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. First is the order. But are you trying to build your own kingdom in God's kingdom? Because he's very specific about whose kingdom it is. His kingdom, his Righteous. The verse doesn't say seek the kingdom and righteousness. Doesn't say that. It says it says seek the kingdom of God. Some say his kingdom, or they're really specific, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you're not careful, you can know that God is a king and still be trying to build your own kingdom. Men and women of God, we got to be so careful. It's not just enough 
to know whose kingdom it is, are you trying, is your agenda to build the kingdom within his? Or are you here to build his kingdom? It's not just enough to know whose kingdom it is. You say, why is that true? Because this is not a new thing that God was trying to warn us about. His disciples did it. Jesus' disciples were trying to build their own kingdom in God's kingdom. The ones that were with them every day. Peter, James, John, all those guys, they were trying to build their kingdom in God's kingdom. You say, how do you know that? Look at Luke. Luke 9, 46 through 48. It says, look at this, this is crazy. An argument started among disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. You with Jesus and y'all wondering which one of y'all is the great? An argument started among them. Which one would be the greatest? Jesus, knowing their thought, I love this, he took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. This wasn't even the first time that they did this. Like the sons of thunder, James and John, they look, they look at Jesus and they say, hey, Hey, which one of us going to sit on your right and which one going to sit on your left? You're with Jesus and you're worried about your position in his kingdom? So, you got these guys. They're having an argument. I, I mean, it's so crazy. Like, sometimes I can't just read the Bible. I got to see the Bible, right? So, they're just having this all-out argument. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. It was like all of them were Muhammad Ali at the same time. I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, no, I'm the greatest, who's the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. No, I did this, so I'm the greatest, I did, I, I'm the greatest. Jesus is like, shut up. And he does something that's so smooth because Jesus was the master of the illustrated sermon. He stands there, he sees grown men arguing about who is the greatest. And then he looks and sees this little nappy-headed boy named Roscoe. Roscoe, come here, come here, little big-haired boy, come here, come here. And Roscoe like this, Jesus, you got snot coming out of no Jesus. What you want? Roscoe, get your big head self over here. Okay, Jesus. He come over there, he got a Cheeto hanging out of his mouth, eating some hot Cheetos. That's what little kids did back then. Jesus. Roscoe, come here. Head up. Don't say nothing, Roscoe. I'm trying to make you look good. Don't say nothing. Had little Roscoe stand next to him. And he says, if you want to be the greatest, you got to be like him. Gee, you, Jesus, you crazy. We got to be like, he got a Cheeto sticking out his nose. We got to be like him. 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 The, bo the boy ain't got one chest hair. Jesus, we got to be like him. Him. Not G, G, G. The greatest among you must be the least. If you can't, if you can't welcome him, then you don't welcome me. If you can't help him, welcome him, you don't welcome me, and you definitely don't welcome the one who sent me. Jesus brings a child to stand next to him to show a bunch of grown adults how to really be great. He says, if you want to be great, you need to be like him. Instead of serving people the way they saw Jesus serve people, they were arguing about who is going to be greatest in the kingdom, Jesus brings a child. Why a child? Because 
There's things that you have to understand about a child, but Jesus wasn't just referring, he wasn't specifically referring to the age or the stature of a child. When he tells us to come to him like a child, he's telling us we need to have a childlike spirit. Why? Why do we need to have a childlike spirit? Because there's three things that all children possess and they unlearn them as they grow. You ready for them? Children are humble. When kids come out the gate, they humble. You know why? Because they know nothing. They rely on their parents for everything. They know they're not going out there working. So little kids, they're like, they, they, they ain't going to tell you what they're going to eat because they don't even know where they meal, their next meal going to come from unless their mama or daddy put it in front of them. Kids ain't asked to be here. They're just here. And they are relying on us as adults to take care of him. Right? So children have a sense. They come out of the womb with a sense of humility because they are totally reliant upon their caregivers for everything. Children have humility. But the other thing that a child has, a child is free from prejudice. Kids don't know prejudice. They're taught prejudice. Kids don't know racism and sexism and classism. They learn that. No kid comes out like, I hate you. They don't do it. They learn it. They inherit it because they are taught it. Whether somebody physically says hate this person and hate this person is irrelevant because you don't have to say it. All they have to do is see it. How do you look, how do you look upon the disenfranchised? Oh, don't, don't associate with them. They're smelly. Mm, don't talk to them. Your kids see that. They see that. Kids don't know prejudice. They learn prejudice. And Jesus says, hey, come to him like a child. I need you humble. I need you to know that you are nothing without me because Father God is the parent. You are nothing without me. Two, I don't need you to be prejudiced. I don't need you to push anybody away from me. I need you to openly welcome anybody that wants to come to me. But the other thing about kids that adults so often forget because we get old and we get stuck in our ways is that children are teachable. They're sponges. I heard a, a mentor of mine, he always says this. He says, more is caught than taught. Kids will learn from you whether you're teaching them or not. Because they're absorbing not just the things you say, they are absorbing the things that you do. They are learning at all times. And because of neuroplasticity, their brains are forever expanding. So are yours. As I speak, your brain, the neurons in your brain are constantly expanding, but because some of us some traumatic in our lives, we stop allowing the brain to do what it naturally does, which is expand because we get stuck in our way. Jesus says, come to me like a child. They're humble. They're not prejudiced, and they're teachable. What is Jesus trying to let us understand by positioning this child next to him? Jesus doesn't want anybody positioned next to him that doesn't come like a child. Why? Because position was never measured by stature. Position in God's kingdom is measured by service. It's not measured by stature. It's measured by service. 
You say, what what does that truly mean? Why service? Listen, I'm only using the words of Jesus to tell you what was already there. I'm trying to reveal something to you in Scripture. He says, come to me like a child, and then the child comes. And he says, whoever welcomes. You know why he says that word? That word welcomes if you've, seen, if you've ever seen the Greek translation or the Greek pronunciation of that word welcomes, it breaks down to a word called deshe'ahi, deshe'ahi, all right? It's hard for me to say because I'm from Carroll City. Deshe'ahi, okay. And it means, listen to what it means, to receive into one's family in order to bring up and educate. I want you to welcome him. I want you to receive him in the family in order to bring up and educate. Why do you think we preach so much about servant leadership here? Why? Because this is a family of service to God, and it is my specific job as the pastor to serve everyone as family and educate them to bring them up so that they are closer to God. I'm here to serve the family, to welcome the family, to get you closer to God. This is my desire as a pastor. You're not here because I want to push you further away from God. My job is to educate you through this word, to welcome you, to bring you on the journey so that I microphone off. <laughs> Chile is like, T, you bugging, man. You bugging. I'm here to serve you in order to push you up and get you up closer to God. Service by welcoming others in service what you are doing is getting them closer to God. As I serve my wife, she serves God. As I serve my daughter, she serves God. As I serve my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, they serve God. As I serve the community, they serve God. As I serve the disenfranchised, they serve God. As I serve people with addictions, they serve God. As I serve sick people, they serve God. As I serve imprisoned people, they serve God. As I serve depressed people, they serve God. As I serve confused people, they serve God. As I serve prideful people, they serve God. As I serve the church, By being welcoming to them, I'm helping them get into a position that is next to Jesus. Because here's the truth. I don't need you to serve me as the pastor. I serve you, and as I serve you, you serve God. Because this church is not my kingdom. Servant leadership doesn't look like a triangle as to where me and Joanne are on the top. We're, we're, the lo- we're in the lowest position. Me and her are on the bottom. Because I can't, I can't serve someone. I can't welcome someone. I cannot educate them to get them closer to God. I cannot, I cannot push them closer to God if I'm on the top. If I'm on the top, I push them down. If I'm on the bottom, I ain't going to lie, I get heavy sometimes, but I could, I could push you up. And I can get you closer to him. 
Because being positioned next to me won't help you. Being positioned next to Jesus will. Trying to push you up to get you closer to God. If it's my kingdom, then I want to be on top. But if it's God's kingdom, I'm only putting myself in a position to push you closer to Jesus. You see, I don't worry because I have a kingdom agenda knowing that by serving others, it actually puts me in a position that is closer to Jesus. My service to you, my welcoming of you. So to answer the disciples, who is the greatest? He says, it's the one that serves. It's the ones that push others towards me. You want to get next to me? You need to push others towards me too. If you are lobbying for a position by being next to Jesus, by pushing others out the way to get next to him, you're actually pushing yourself farther away from him. It says, draw others to me because in turn, you will be close to me too. But see, it's not just about not worrying about a kingdom agenda because you know it's not your kingdom. We, I know this is not my kingdom. I'm just here to serve it. But I don't worry with the kingdom agenda because the king gives you what's necessary for his agenda. Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the king, his kingdom, and his righteousness, because that's who it belongs to, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus tells us that there's one thing that we should seek that will get you all these things. One thing gets you all these things. The question then becomes, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? Like, I, I think a lot of us, like, we, we have this list of wants and needs, and it gets so convoluted. We really want all these things. But Jesus says the way to get all these things isn't, isn't to go after all these things. Go after the one thing that gets you all these things. All these things. What do you, what do you actually want? I'm a... I'm a hard person to shop for, my wife would. Is that, is that true? No, well, not to you, because you actually know me, right? But a lot of people that don't know me, they're like, oh, what do I get him? I don't know, he's a hard person to shop for. What do I get? Man, you just messed up my whole illustration. You're supposed to say yes. There you go. Oftentimes, I have asked her, and this is my gift. You got to help me. I've asked her. <laughs> I've asked uh, she no let me see oh, I messed that whole thing up <laughs> oh man she asked me what I want and oftentimes I, you know I say this I'm like I'm good I don't want nothing I want nothing why because I feel like I have everything I want am I rich in Jesus, yeah. But, like, I have the stuff that I want. I, 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 I like, I'm, I'm, eat, I'm eating every day. And some of y'all could see that it's, I'm eating good. <laughs> eating better than I used to, my God. I'm eating, I got my family, I got purpose. Like, I feel good about, I'm good. I have what I want, I have what I need. Occasionally, though, I do like to buy something 
here and there. And I, I don't know if maybe you're like me. When I buy something, I'm a, I'm a researcher. I got to look for five different versions of it. I got to know everything that it does. I have to know the pros and cons. I have to read 30 reviews about it. Like, I'm not just a one-click guy on Amazon. I'm like, nope, too many bad reviews, not for me. Like, I got to make sure it's the right thing before I, I, I get it. And, and, and because, of, because, because of this, um, I've developed, this will help somebody in their life when you're trying to decide between your wants and needs. I've developed four questions. I did it subconsciously, but then I realized I keep asking myself the same question, so I figured I would share it with you. There's four questions you should ask yourself whenever you want or you need something. Because the first question I asked you was, what do you want? A lot of you don't know what you want or why you want what you want. Sometimes you don't even know what you need, and I say that because you're not asking yourself the right questions. So by asking yourself these questions, this is going to help you steward whatever you have well. Because my wife talked about stewardship last week. It's not just about having it. It's about taking care of it. Four questions. You should write these down. If you got the app, they should be in your notes. First question I always ask myself is, why do I want it? If I want something, why? Like, if you can't answer that basic question, you probably don't need it. Why do I want this? And listen, I'm not trying to act holier than thou. There's a bunch of unnecessary things in my life I have. I probably have a million pairs of shoes. That's very unnecessary. But... Usually, the things that really matter, I ask myself, why do I want it? Two, do I really need it? Do I really need it? Sometimes we're just buying things to buy things, but then we don't have money for the things we actually need. Do I really need it? Three, what is required for me to get it and keep it? That's a major question. People want new cars. Okay, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Can you afford the maintenance on the specific car that you are getting? If you can't afford to fix it, if it breaks, you don't need to have it. You can find another version. And the church said. <laughs> what is required for me to get it and keep it? And then they ask you, yeah, this is the last question. This, this is like a real heart check question. How will I use it? How will I use it? Like, what, is, what will I really use this thing for? How will I use it? If, is it something just for my pleasure, or is it something that's going to bless somebody else as well? How will I use it? The things I have a tendency to buy usually solve multiple problems at once in my life. I'm very careful about the things um, that I get, and my wife always has a joke. She's like, man, you always got, like, the perfect thing for every occasion. You got the perfect outfit. You got the perfect, it's, it's rainy, you got a raincoat on. It's snowing, you got snow boots on. She's like, I ain't even know you had snow boots. I'm like, I bought them back 10 years ago because I thought one day I'd be in snow. I always got a thing for everything. It's just how I am. I can't help it. Like, I have to have a thing for the thing because I want to be, it's like, it's, I used to be a Royal Ranger when I was a kid. That's like the Christian Boy Scouts. And the Royal Ranger motto was ready. Ready for anything, ready for work, play, serve, obey, worship, live, etc. Like, what is that? Etc. just covers everything. I'm always ready. So I, buy, so I buy things that usually cover multiple purposes so that I'm ready for whatever happens. And it reminds me, 
it reminded me of, of something that a famous theologian, Adam Clark, says. In context to Matthew 6, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. In context to this verse, if you ever read commentaries about it from, from Adam Clark, he, he, he references a famous saying in Jewish culture about having all these things added unto you. Seek first the kingdom, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is what he says is a famous Jewish cultural statement in reference to this verse. It says, seek that to which other things are necessarily connected. Seek that to which other things are necessarily connected. I see some of y'all giving me a blank stare, so let me break it down for you. In other words, want the things that are connected to your needs. Want the things that are connected to your needs. You're still not getting it. There's a story. There's a story about a king and his friend. The king and the friend were such good buddies that the king looked at his friend. He says, anything you want in the kingdom, I will give it to you. The friend was like, oh, this is phenomenal. Okay. He says, man. I should ask to be a general. That would be awesome because then I will have the influence of, of the people. I will have power. But then he really thought about it for a second. He was like, no, 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 no. Shouldn't ask to be a general. And he looked up at his friend, the king, and he said, king, I would like to have your daughter's hand in marriage. Because he understood if he became a part of the family of the king, he would have the power, he would have the money, he would have the influence, he would have everything he was looking for and more because he did not waste his request to the king. I'm trying to tell somebody today, some of y'all ain't asking God for the right things and you wondering why you ain't got everything you need. You're very small-minded. This happens to me too, man. Sometimes I realize like, man, I didn't ask God for the right thing. And we're upset about God because we didn't get what we asked for. God didn't answer my prayer. Are you asking for the right thing? Are you asking for something that all the necessary things that you need are tied to? That's what God is looking for you to ask for what the king's friend understood is I better not waste my time asking the king for the wrong thing. I don't know how many of these opportunities I'm going to get. So if I could become a part of the king's family, I ain't got to worry about nothing for the rest of my life. I just want to encourage somebody today, stop asking God to defeat your enemies. Stop. Smite them, God. Stop it. See you stop it. Stop asking God to defeat your enemies and ask him to help you how to show them Christ's love so that they can turn to him because if they are for him, they won't be against you. You ask him for the one thing that accomplishes multiple things. Stop asking God to send you a godly mate. 
People are going to leave the church right here. I've been waiting on my Boaz forever. Keep waiting. Stop asking God to send you a godly mate and ask him to reveal your purpose. Because if your purpose requires a helpmate, he will send you the right one to accomplish it. I ain't, go to, I ain't go to college like, God, please, I need a girl to ride, ride, ride. I need a girl in my life. I need a girl who's mine, oh my. I need a girl in my... Y'all ain't saved. I ain't go to college looking for a girl. I went to college because I'm like, yo, I'm about to take over this world. I need my education. Because I, I, I went to college saying, God, show me my purpose. Show me what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. You know what he showed me? Joanne. I wasn't looking for her. I was looking for my purpose, but I couldn't take my eyes off of her direction because God was trying to tell me, you need her if you want to fulfill your purpose. Cool church is not built on my back. It's built on our backs. And God knew that we needed each other to stand in his presence in 2022 and declare the gospel in a world that is literally trying to run from him, a world that doesn't know what a healthy marriage looks like, that doesn't know what a healthy relationship looks like. He said you need that girl so that you can show everybody what a healthy family looks like because I need you to build strong families and build strong futures. If you believe it, say amen. I was looking for my purpose and I found the one that I couldn't do my purpose without. Send me a mate, Jesus. No. Ask him to send you a purpose. Your mate is attached. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Stop asking God to get you out of this mess. Stop it. God, deliver me. Get me out of this. Stop asking him to get you out the trial and ask him, what am I supposed to be learning in the trial? Because when you learned it, he'll come out of it. I, I thank God for you today, Judith, coming here. I thank God because it's like, once again, you're a visual representation. You know that it's like, God deliver me. Some of y'all ask God to deliver, deliver you like, like, like he don't want to. Like he's got to make up his mind about if he's going to deliver you or not. That's not her prayer. She knows she's going to get delivered. It's like, God, if you're not going to remove this mountain from in front of me, give me the strength to climb. Give me the strength to climb. Like show, show me what I'm supposed to learn in this. Some of y'all want to rush past seasons because it don't feel good. And God's trying to teach you something there. And the only reason you're still in that season is because you haven't learned what you're supposed to learn. Stop asking God for deliverance and ask him for revelation. Oh, my God. <laughs> he won't deliver you till he's revealed to you 
what you're supposed to know about him. Oh, my goodness gracious. Some of us are asking God for the wrong things and upset with him for our current circumstance when the circumstance was designed to take the focus and the attention off of you and put it back onto him. This is what God is looking for. So if you have a kingdom agenda, the question is not what do you want? The question becomes what does God want with you? That's a difference. That's a paradigm shift. When you have a kingdom agenda, it's not, it's not, God, I want all these things. No, it's not about what you want. It's about what God wants to do with you. And honestly, no one in the Bible understood it better than King Solomon. I love what the Bible says about him in 1 Kings 3, 7 through 14. It says, now, Lord, my God. You have to understand, Solomon just became the king. His father, David, gave him everything. He gave him so many resources because David in his lifetime, because he had blood on his hands, God said, you can't build my temple. You got too much blood on your hands, but your son Solomon, he can. So I want you to, I want you to make sure you resource him. I want you to make sure you take care of him. Solomon was a young man. He could have been in his late teens or early 20s, but Solomon knows. He's so humble. He knows that, man, I just got this kingship. He wasn't even ready to be a king. He refers to himself as a child. He says, now, Lord my God, you have made, he says, you have made your servant king. I love that. He refers to himself as a servant. You have made your servant king in place of my father, but I am only a little child. He says, I do not know how to carry out my duties. It's okay to admit you don't know what you're doing because where you are weak, God is strong. Ask me, how you be a pastor? I don't know. I'm figuring it out every day. By the grace of God, all I know how to do is love people. I let God figure out the rest. He says, I'm only a little child. I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong, band, come back. I need y'all. For who is able to govern these great people of yours? Who is able? The Lord, look, look at this, was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Ah, you asking me for the right thing, son. Verse 11. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, smite my enemies, God, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I'm going to give you what you asked for, and, wait, there's more, I will give you what you have not ask for both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Solomon distinguished himself with God because he didn't ask for something that would bless him. He asked for something that would bless God's people. I want you to understand 
Solomon got what he wanted, what he needed, and more because he didn't want it for himself. As a king, he placed himself in a position of a servant to serve God's people. And God said, not only will I give you what you asked, I want to give you what you have not asked for. I want to give you more because your agenda was not your own. Your agenda was a kingdom agenda. You see, a disciple with a kingdom agenda always puts God's will before his own. What do you want? How are you going to use it? Is what you want for you or is what you're asking God for in order to bless someone else? God ain't give some of y'all a million dollars because he knew you'd never help anybody when you got it. Is it for you or is it for somebody? I, like I said, when I, come on, man, I need, I need, I need some spirit. Holy Spirit, lead me where my trust. You don't want me to sing, so you better start playing. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would are. I joke, I kid. I, I, I tell you, when I buy something, I do my research. Because like, I, I, like, I like things that do multiple things. So like in, in 2020, if y'all was like me, I was on a buying spree on Amazon. Amazon got all my ends. I was looking at all the, <laughs> all the reviews and all that stuff, man, and I, I bought this thing. Because I, I was like, you know, you know, like I just, like I said, I like to be prepared for stuff. I said, man, if I ever, uh, if I ever get broken down on the side of the road, I want to make sure I got something that could jump my vehicle. So I bought this thing. But this thing is awesome because it's not, it's not just a battery. Like I got a big old truck, so with my truck, I need, it's, usually I have to find another truck or I have to have something big enough to be able to jump it. So when I saw the reviews on this, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. Like this little thing could jump my whole vehicle. I was like, that's dope. So I bought it and I start, you know, I start playing with it. It got the jumper cables. All I have to do is turn it on, right? And then, yeah. Yeah. I stick that, ooh, ooh, the light came on. Ooh, it's ready to go. I can literally take this. I connect my terminals to it. And I don't even got to do nothing. I just turn my car on, comes on. Like nothing. I'm like, yo, this is epic. Like, I don't need a bunch of like long, crazy jumper cables and all that. I was like, yeah, this is this is this is fire. This is phenomenal. But wait, there's more. Like, maybe if I get stuck on the side of the road and it's it's dark at night, it's a flashlight. I was like, that's dope. And then Oh, look, see, that's a mer distress, distress, SOS, SOS. Yeah, oh, that's SOS, it's slower, SOS, okay. And then it does more, because the cool thing about it is, you see the top with that little lightning bolt right there? If I take my phone and I just rest it on there, it just charges my phone. Just, just rest on, no plugs, no nothing. I forgot my iPhone charger. Don't need one. Just rest it on top. Charge my phone. 
And, and, because I ain't selfish, if somebody else need to charge, look at this, bam, bam. Look at this, I could charge four people at one time off this one thing. This thing is phenomenal. I love it. I was like, man, this thing got to be too, it's like too good to be true. I read all the reviews. Everybody's like, this is the greatest thing I have in my entire life. I bought one. I got so happy I bought one for me and bought one for my wife because she, she, let me tell you something. She's something else. Her car does exactly what it's designed to do. She just does not do the things that her car needs in order for it to function properly. Sometimes like put in gas. Okay, that's a whole nother message. <laughs> So I bought her one, and I was like, yo, just in case she gets stuck, she ain't got to wait for me. She can do this. She can just plug this up. Let's go. I'm, I'm just, now some of y'all are like, Pastor, you probably need a new car if you keep using this. <laughs> I know some of y'all petty. I know what y'all was thinking. <laughs> Lord, bless my pastor with a vehicle. He, he's, he loves the Lord, but he shouldn't be walking everywhere like Jesus. <laughs> I got this thing because it could charge my car fast, and I use it a bunch. Fine. Thank you, Jesus. I, I haven't used this one time on my vehicle. You know where I use it? For everybody else. I see somebody at the side of the road. They probably waiting for AAA. I got something that can help with that. I have people outside this church right here. Serving leaders working their butts off. They get in their car to go home. I need a charge. I, 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 I. Like, I'll be excited about it. It's like, I got something. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't wait to pull it out every time I get the opportunity. I'm like, I'm like, like I, I roam the streets looking for cars that are dead. Because <laughs> I know I got something that's not just useful for me. It's useful for somebody else. People get way more use out of this battery than I do. The fun part about it is seeing that I purchased something that I thought would only help me, but man, I get so I get more excited by helping other people with this thing than me having to charge my own vehicle because I'm like, wow. It's fun to help somebody in need. Like, like you know, you know the you you know it's the best feeling in the world when you realizing that God is using you to be a miracle for somebody. Somebody whole day messed up. You don't know how long they waiting, and you just roll up. I'm like, I'm about to be a miracle right now, and I'm gonna invite them to church. I'm about to be a miracle because God has not just done miracles for me, he wants to use me to be a miracle for somebody else. Others have gained the blessing from something that I wanted for myself, but now I'm blessed when I could bless somebody else. The truth is, I asked God for a lifeline, and he made me a lifeline for somebody else. I asked God for a miracle. He made me a miracle for somebody else. When you have a kingdom agenda, you know that the things that you have 
do not belong to you because you're supposed to use them on you. You know that the only reason that God gave them to you is because you have the heart to bless somebody else. I'm here to tell you today, some of y'all out there might need a lifeline, but even more than you needing a lifeline, God says the only reason I want to make you a lifeline is so that you can be a lifeline for somebody else. God wants to charge somebody in this room up. Not so you can have all the energy. Not so you can feel good for yourself. Not so everything will be okay with you. But you would take that energy and be an energy distribution center. So when you see other people that are lost, you see other people that are hurting, you see somebody with no signs of life, you can walk into that situation and find joy because you are just the battery that they needed to give them the jump start on life that they might be looking for if you believe it. Say amen. When you have a kingdom agenda, nothing you have is your own. You realize that the only reason God gives it to you, God, God gave us all life because he wants us to give life to somebody else. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. I don't know who needs this, but some of us are literally sitting on things. We're holding on to things that were meant to give life to someone else. God gave you life. You gonna sit on all this life he put in you? You gonna see somebody stranded knowing you got the power to help them and you're not going to do nothing? But that might not be the case with everybody. Some people saying, I can't give anybody a charge because I need a charge myself. I can't help anybody because I first need help myself. I want, I want to send somebody a lifeline, Pastor but I need one myself. You cannot be for someone else what you are not yourself. And when you have a kingdom agenda, you know that everything God gives you, it may bless you, but it's always meant to bless somebody else. If you're in this room today with every head bowed, every eye closed, my call is simple, my call is clear. I want to pray for somebody that needs a lifeline. I want to pray for somebody that needs a charge. Because you say the only thing holding me back from doing what I'm supposed to do is I need help myself, Pastor. I need you. I can't give Jesus because I don't have him. I heard about him before, but I haven't really made that commitment, Pastor. Or maybe you never heard about it before. But I come to you today with a kingdom agenda. God wants to give you life so that you can give life to somebody else. There's so many people in this world that are depending on you to have life for yourself because they can't find life without you. You need Jesus so that other people can find Jesus. There was once a time where I was on the side of the road, dead, forgotten about, lost, and somebody loved me enough 
to stop and preach a message about Jesus. And once they charge me up, I've been spending the rest of my life trying to charge somebody else. I don't know who this is for, but you're stranded. You're lost. You have no power. You have no energy. I've come as a messenger from the Most High God to give you the jump start that you need. If you say, I need to get jump started by Jesus today, what does that mean? You want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never said it, maybe you said it before, but you want to mean it this time for real. I need Jesus to jumpstart my life. If you're here online, don't look at nobody. This ain't, this ain't a decision somebody else can make for you. Because you got a decision to make. You're going to stay stranded or you're going to take the charge. Some people, is, I'll be honest with you, I've pulled up on them and they're like, no thank you. Wow. So you rather sit in your situation than take the charge that you need to get going? I, I'm trying to convict somebody's heart right now because I know when I ask what I'm going to ask, some people, they're going to sit there. They ain't going to raise their hand. It's like you sitting dead on the side of the road when somebody's offered you a helping hand. If you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you need a charge of Jesus today on the count of three without anybody looking around or worried about what the person next to him is doing, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Don't be embarrassed by it. I see you and 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 you. If I said you, I want you to understand that you are not alone. Keep them hands up. If your hands up, stand up. If your hands up, stand up. Don't stay dead on the side of the road. Don't stay dead on the side of the road. Hey, come. Come get a charge from Jesus. Come to this altar right now. Come. 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 Come on. I promise you. I got you. I got you. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Come on. Hey, we're family. I'm proud of all of y'all. You about to get a jump start of your life. But you know what? Maybe you say, man, those folk down there, they brave. Because they, they ain't scared to get the help that they know they need. We're family. So you never really have to do anything alone. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, if you knew he was talking to you, if you're dead on the side of the road, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, just grab my hand and walk them down. No judgment here, man. Listen, I can't tell you how many times I had to come down here. I ask him right now. Say, if you're scared, I'll go with you. Because I just want to make sure. I want to make sure. Here we go. Five, four, three. Just want to make sure everybody know Jesus. Two, and one. Praise God. Everybody reach your hands towards these awesome folks here. If you're not here at this altar, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart 
he was raised from the dead, you're saved. It's, it's called getting a jump start from Jesus. Because here's the best thing. He doesn't just say, like, you're different. No. He says, you're brand new. It's better than getting your battery jumped. It's like getting a brand new car. That's what Jesus wants to do for you right now. So everybody, maybe you want to raise your hands up if you're at the altar. Say, why? Surrender. I'm surrendering, God. I'm tired of trying to figure this out by myself. I need you. If you're out there online, do the same thing. And I want everybody in this room to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me and to your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Here's the best part. Man, I'm so happy for y'all. Y'all see that sign? It says, welcome to the family. That's what you are. I can't open up the ceiling and show you, but if you could see what they're doing in heaven right now. They break dancing, they cheering, they smiling, they singing. The Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. So family, help me out. They made this decision. I can't show them heaven, but can you help them what it sounds like? On the count of three, they're gonna cheer louder for you than anybody's ever cheered for you in your life because I want you to hear what heaven sounds like. And when that happens, y'all gonna walk this way, follow my sis, because, and a bunch of other cool stuff. And if you got questions, you say, I came down because I like, I, I, I felt butterflies or something, but I don't truly understand it. We got people like, ask, ask them questions. They're not scared of your questions, and neither is God. Ask them questions that you need to ask. If you need prayer, they'll do that too. So on the count of three, <laughs> Y'all will walk, they will cheer, and we'll all be really happy. Listen, if you came with them, they're not getting raptured, okay? They'll just be outside in the courtyard. You'll see them again in like two minutes, all right? So here we go, on the count of three. Y'all gonna walk that way, they gonna cheer. Here we go, one, two, three. Let them know. Let them know God loves them. Let them know they're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let them know they're special. Let them know that Jesus loves them. Worship! Worship! Reciprocate what heaven is doing right now! Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, Please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.